In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All of us make a myriad decisions each day. Just think about what you have already decided to do today by virtue of you being here. First, you had to decide if you were going to get up or to sleep in. You needed to choose between which shirt or dress to put on. You just needed to decide if you would eat breakfast or fast before the Eucharist. There might have even been a choice of route to the church. A question about if you would attend Christian formation. Which pew you would sit in. And also whether or not you would tune out during the next 12 minutes of the sermon. We make hundreds of decisions a day. Where to eat, how to get from this place to that, what book to read, what television show we're going to binge watch next. There are also important decisions that work as speech acts that we make from time to time, including this liturgy. We say things like, I promise, I vow, Lord, make this bread your body. All of which are decisions or requests that we have decided are meet and right so to do. We decide who we wish to marry, what house we want in the neighborhood, who our best friends are, and if we are Christians, who is truly Lord of our life. I would like for us to focus our attention on two of our lessons this morning. The first, from Sirach, is about the choices we all make to keep the commandments of God. It has an echo to a similar passage in the book of Deuteronomy, where God asks the Israelites, the Hebrew children, to choose life and to turn away from the gods that infiltrate their lives. And in your service leaflet, a Deuteronomy passage with Moses saying, choose life, is the first reading, the first option, and you can take that home and read that as, as you know, an extra homework assignment or something, because it's there just as well. But the second passage that we need to consider is what Jesus is telling those who are listening to him on this Sermon in the Mount. And lest we get too comfortable with the law of Moses and all the other Old Testament books, Jesus calls those of us who follow him to a life of holiness. Not casual holiness, not a flippant, I love Jesus, but I'll do whatever I please, but a holiness based on what his will is for us. And that's the problem with Jesus. He demands holiness, and his demands of holiness are more stringent and more taxing and more demanding than what the previous law, than what the Torah, the first five books of the Bible demand from the common ordinary person. Don't murder. That's relatively easy. But don't be angry. That's something altogether different. Jesus is telling us that you cannot even think an ugly, hateful thought against anyone because... It's just about the same as murder. This is where we have to remember part about what sin is. 
Sin is evil that is done by us, both large sins and small sins. But it's also a term that we use for our failings, for our missing of the mark. It's like an archer who draws back his bow and shoots his arrow, but it falls short, maybe not even hitting the target. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the imagery that St. Paul is using in that passage from Romans. Or since today is Super Bowl Sunday, it is like the team that's on fourth down with inches to go to the goal line. But they can't get the ball over. They've missed the goal. They didn't score a touchdown. And Jesus has set that bar very high, higher than the law that has been given, and higher still than how the religious leaders of that day taught. If you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, well, let me tell you a little story about me, your venerable priest, who has failed at this. During the last calendar year, my best friend and I hadn't talked or seen each other. And like many things, it started over a little squabble. And honestly, I don't think either one of us truly remember what it was about. Eventually, his wife got involved. Then some of our friends got involved until, and this is like it almost always happens, there were two factions, you know, two against three here or four against one over there. And honestly, none of us wanted that, but the damage is done. And frankly, I'll say some of the damage, I think, is irreparable. Well, just before Christmas, an olive branch was extended, and I'll admit... It was not from me. It was from my friend's wife. And she's my, my friend too. Don't, don't get me wrong when I say it that way. And she called to tell me that they were preparing to move away because of a promotion that my friend had received at work. Emotionally, that sent me into a tailspin. I was so happy and glad that they were leaving but I was also sad that we were not reconciled. I was happy that I didn't have to worry about seeing them at the country club or at places around town, but also realized that those places were where we had many good times. And even if I go there, the ghost of those memories and their presence, well, they're still going to be there. So, what did I do? Yes. What did I, your priest, the icon of Christ, do? Well, I called a friend. And I asked him to start laying the groundwork for reconciliation. You see, my friend's wife, if she had not called me to tell me they were moving, and that they felt that it was important that I, and from my perspective, I would have said, once a friend, but maybe now an enemy, but that wasn't the way they thought about it. Well, to cut a long story very, very short, we are working our way through the troubles. 
our anger and our hurt. And it's holy work. Because you see, one of the things I did, this is how spiteful I can be sometimes when I'm not at my best. One of the things I did was I quit praying for them. They used to be the people that were on the top of my prayer list at 5.15 in the morning when I said morning prayer. And were the last people I prayed for at 9 o'clock before I went to bed. But about a year ago, that all stopped. If your brother has something against you. My friend and his wife had something against me. And frankly, I was too big of a coward to say, I'm sorry. And to say it with an actual sense of contrition. And then, and this is where it gets really, really good, and then to stand just there at the altar, knowing that if my friend didn't have something against me, but here I am celebrating the Eucharist with the knowledge of this in the back of my mind, and the only thing that kept coming to mind was that phrase from the great litany, Good Lord, deliver us. But, he moved. They're in the process of moving now. And a few weeks ago, just after the turn of the year, based on our mutual friend's advice, we touched base again. In the meantime, my friends and I have had dinner together. His wife and I had dinner this past week, and a few weeks ago I traveled to where they're moving to and ate a meal with him. I had, in a very real way, chosen death, chosen a way that is contrary to our Lord's commands. But our Lord demands that we choose life. We choose the way that demands much out of us. And today, for the first time in about a year, I know I can go to this altar and I can say our prayers and I can pray for my own trespasses to be forgiven in the same measure that I forgive others. And I can know, I can truly know, that my brother and my sister in Christ hold nothing against me. And why do I know that? Because we, the three of us, have chosen life. To give life back to that friendship. And then subsequently to give that life back to our mutual friends around us. Jesus demands much from us. Lusting after someone. Being at odds with others. Swearing by things which we cannot control. That's all the ways of the world. They're the easy way. Which also lead to spiritual and possibly even physical death. Our demands as Christians are high. Christianity is not a joyride through this world. It demands everything of us so that we can say that we have chosen the way that leads to life. And it sometimes costs us as well, proverbially ripping out an eye because it causes you to sin and miss the mark, or proverbially amputating your hand because you can't stop using it in sinful ways. Today is Sexagesima Sunday. We are 60 days from Easter. Where do you need to go to find your brother and sister whom you need to be reconciled with before you come to this altar?
Honestly, I would rather you walk out right now and seek them than to come to this realm. How are you going to choose life? My friends whom I told you about chose life before I did. What about you? Do you need to pray that you don't fall into deep temptation? Today is an excellent day to start. Are you lusting over something you know you shouldn't have affection for? Give it to Jesus and ask him to help you out of your temptation. Say what you mean. Let your yes mean yes. If you choose, you can keep the commandments and to act faithfully in a manner of your own choice. Choose life. Choose a way trodden by our blessed Lord. For it is only in the mark of his own footsteps, his own teachings, that we can begin to gain life everlasting. You have heard it said. But Jesus says to you, go and live into the abundance of grace and joy our Heavenly Father has given to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.